that time of the year again, Deshaun Tate back with you. Tate's Take the Podcast. Find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast. And remember to follow along on all social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, where basketball lives. Without further ado, a lot of craziness, a lot of moving pieces going on right now. Want to bring in my uh, special guest for the uh, for the day. Uh, that would be none other than Mr. Jay Billis. Um College ba- NCAA college basketball analyst and color analyst uh, for ESPN. Find him on Twitter and on Instagram at Jay Billis. Jay, top of the morning to you. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Uh, first question I have for you. You're there in, uh, in, in Greensboro covering the NCAA uh, ACC conference tournament. Talk a little bit about what the atmosphere is like. I mean, Georgia Tech's getting ready to move on. Uh, to the championship round of the ACC conference tournament uh, after Virginia had a player that tested positive. What's the atmosphere like down there right now? Well, there isn't any atmosphere because there are really no fans here. So uh, they, they've got a few thousand fans, but it, it's it's so sparse that, uh, uh, you know, there's no atmosphere in the games. Uh, the first couple days went okay, um, just as you'd expect or had hoped, I guess. I shouldn't say expect, can't expect anything. But then when Duke, uh, you know, had its positive test and had to bow out of the tournament, uh, it took on a little bit of a different feel. And then this morning, uh, just got the news about Virginia. So having, you know, the, as far as I know, the ACC is the only conference that ha- has had teams that uh, were playing in the tournament and couldn't continue to play. So, uh, you know, Florida State and uh, hasn't played yet. Uh, Georgia Tech has played a game. They're going to get a day off and then play in the championship game. Just a very odd, odd happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this thing is everybody's keeping their fingers, toes, eyes crossed, everything else that this thing is actually going to be played. Hopefully, I guess, what was it, a year ago uh, today? Take me back. Does it have a little bit of a similar feel at all? I mean, granted, I'm not trying to hope it gets canceled or anything, but does it have a similar feel now that we have, you know, teams that are being tested and and, and play or, or someone within pro, some of these programs that are testing positive? Does it have any kind of a similar feel and take you back to that a little bit? Well, yes and no. I mean, it reminds you of it, but but it doesn't feel like that at all because you know we know what we've been dealing with for the last year, uh, so we know how to how to deal with it. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have, you know, pauses and problems and things like that. But I don't think there's any way we're going to see any of these events shut down. And uh, like we did last year, I mean, last year, the world shut down. We were just late. You know, sports was just late. You know, the, it, all these teams, their campuses had already shut down. They were still trying to play in a tournament. It, it seems bizarre to even think about it now that, you know, the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic and we, you know, we were pinning everything on Rudy Gobert. Um, mm. But but we're going to we're still going to we're going to finish the ACC tournament and we're going to finish the uh, the NCAA tournament. And uh, uh, this thing's going to roll on no matter what. So if if teams have to bow out, uh, that'll you know be unfortunate and you, know, you feel for everybody. But the, this train isn't stopping. What exactly do you make of uh I guess you could say Duke voluntarily, I guess, uh, concluding the entire season, not just the ACC participation tournament part of it. What do you make of all of that in, in, in general? Well, they were done anyway. Um, they weren't going to make the tournament. So, um, you know, it, with, with a win against Florida State, maybe they had a chance. They might have had to win again. Uh, but, but without it, uh, they were not going to make the field. 
so the only thing would be, you know, an invitation to another tournament, whether it's the NIT. I don't know if the CBI is even going to play, mm-hmm. but it, it's going to be a period of time before they're capable of playing anyway. So it just made sense that, that this was the end. So I, that didn't surprise me at all. Jay, what do you say to some of the maybe highly critical uh, people um, based on the decision that has been made that feels like maybe this is, and I'm not trying to question integrities by any means, but to the people that have been highly critical of the decision made uh, that feel like maybe this is Coach K's outer was looking, that he was looking for based on some of his previous comments made earlier in the season about uh, maybe that the whole thing should be canceled and so forth. That he that he was looking for an out, in a in a roundabout way, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, I I find that ludicrous, frankly. And and he never was looking to end the season or anything like that. I think there was a period of time where he was thinking, and I was too, uh, asking that you know we take a hard look at exactly how we're doing this and whether it should be done this way. That that that's a responsible thing to do. Um, and, you know, at the time, you know, people don't want to talk about this now, but at the time we were looking at a, a steep rise in cases and, um, you know, now we've had cases going down and, and all that we're still, we still have issues. I mean, you know, there are 50, 60,000 cases a day, but, you know, during that period, they were heading up toward 300,000 when he's, you know, and, and that was the start of it. Um, so it was a fair question. and. That's one of the things that that's that's funny about this whole thing is, you know, if you ask a question about, well, is this the right thing to do? Should we do it this way? You know, you're you're painted as being against the process and everybody wants to play like I want to work. I want to go on vacation. I want to go to restaurants. Everybody wants to do all this stuff. But if you question whether it's the right thing or whether we should do it this way or that way or whether, uh, you know, at the time, the issue was, can the players go home for Christmas? You know, that, that was that was when that was being discussed. And and I had brought up the reason that Coach K said that in the first place was and I didn't realize this at the time, but the media landscape ch- had changed and uh, there were no there were no media at the game. They were all watching it on television, listening to us do the game. And I had brought up that that, you know, it seemed to me that the players are now essential workers. And they're getting tested. Like, look at all the hoops we're jumping through to do this. And we're not doing this for any other endeavor in campus life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, other students do things that are really important to them. And every bit as important to them as basketball is to a basketball player, football is to a football player. But but we're, we weren't doing anything so that they could, you know, uh, participate in their chosen field. And, uh, you know, how, how, many, how many non-athletes at, at any school have have been put on an airplane by their school? The answer is none. none. And so that, that was the question. And can't, you know, we can't even let the players go home for Christmas because they have mm-hmm. to remain in total isolation so that they can be revenue drivers. So that was the question I asked. I, I wasn't saying I wanted to shut. You think I want this to shut down? I want to, I want sure. to work. Sure. But because there was nobody at the game, they heard that and and media asked Coach K the question. He was responding to a question that he got that was prompted by something I said. So he wasn't out there banging some drum saying, hey, let's do this, let's do that. But because of his platform, everything he says uh, has a little more weight to it than than the average Joe. And 
And, uh, and people are saying, oh, now because he lost this game or that game, that's why he's saying this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of, that's kind of ridiculous. And, and, but, you know, it, it's like we can't even have a discussion about, uh, you know, whether this, whether this is the right thing. Clearly, we can do this. But the mm-hmm. question, is it the right thing to do it and to do it this way? Um, sure. Is it the right, like the, at the beginning of this, and here, here's, uh, I've rambled on, the, on this, but he, here's worry. the issue to me. At the beginning of this, the NCAA said, no students on campus, no college sports. Well, they changed that. And then they mm-hmm. said, we will never play in bubbles. We will not, we are not the NBA. We are different. We are amateur. We are not professional. And we're playing in bubbles. The players in isolation. What's the NCAA tournament? It's a bubble. They even trademarked the term "battle in the bubble." Battle in the bubble, yeah. <laughs> it's a bubble, and uh, and and it's an isolation bubble. Nobody's allowed to leave their hotel unless they're going to a game to generate revenue and to compete. Um, so, like, there, the, these are all fair questions, mm-hmm. and it's something that we, as an enterprise, should discuss. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. And I just wanted to, like I said, I, I wanted to ask because I know some people were concerned. Well, if this was a not a 13 and 11 team and it was a 21 and 3 team and things like that. So definitely what better person to ask than to bring in Jay Billis, NCAA college basketball analyst and color analyst for ESPN. Um, let me ask you this. When it comes to the teams uh, that are going to be participating, who do you feel like outside of the Gonzaga? Let's say they're not there. Let's say Baylor's not there. Let's say Michigan's not there. In Jay's mind, of who would be remaining, who do you think is, you feel the most confident saying can make a run and uh, maybe be the, your front runner to win a national championship? Who has that type of team that would be next in line? Illinois uh, would be at the top of that list. Uh, and then I think, you know, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, some of the teams out of the Big 12. Uh, are, are, are good um, and have a chance. I mean, a lot of it depends on your particular bracket and how it falls. You know, if you have somebody fall down in your, you know, in your path, it's going to make it easier. And, uh, you know, it's really not about uh, the 68 team field. It's about each team's particular path as they go forward. Uh, because, you know, one thing about a tournament, you don't have to beat everybody. You play in a golf tournament, you have to beat everybody. You play in a, mm-hmm. a basketball, you play in the NCAA tournament, you only have to beat Six teams. Six teams. And yep. yeah, so it's just a question of, of who, you know, who's in your way. And, and sometimes the, the obstacles in your way, you know, they fall down and you don't have to worry about them. You got, you got something else. So when there, you know, a lot of times when there's an upset, it's not just that the team that, that got upset in that, in that uh, game, you know, is out of it. Uh, there's another team that would have played them that has an easier path now. Let me ask you this. In, in a, if we are in the event, of course, hoping that we're not in a similar place 365 days from now with the COVID effect and so forth, uh, when you consider all of that, should we expect somewhat similar seasons or similar performances, particularly even from some of these blue blood programs because of the effect that COVID has had on their seasons? No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think this is COVID has affected everybody. I don't think the the fact that Michigan State, Duke, you know, Kentucky, uh, and uh, I'm sure there are others that that haven't performed well this year, that that's a function. Uh, uh, I don't think it's a COVID function. I mean, I think you know, Duke and Kentucky had good recruiting classes, but they were highly ranked because of the number of good players, rather than their players being somehow you know, superstar transformational players. 
uh, you know, guys like that went to the, the guys in that realm went to Gonzaga, Oklahoma state, and USC. Um, and then a couple of them went to the G league. Um, mm-hmm. so there, the, every recruiting class, number one recruiting class is different. And so there was no, uh, you know, Zion or RJ Barrett in Duke's class. And there was no Michael Kidd Gilchrist or Anthony Davis in Kentucky's class. So the truth is their players just weren't as good. And Kentucky brought in some transfers and they just weren't as good. And, uh, and Duke has some good freshmen. A couple of them got significantly better during the course of the season, especially Mark Williams. But overall, they weren't as good and weren't as prepared. Now, maybe they'll be as good in the future if they, as they keep maturing to become, you know, if they become sophomores, juniors, seniors, something like that, you know, they'll have a more natural maturation as, as, uh, through the game. But uh, Duke and Kentucky have been used to these superstar freshmen coming in and being ready to go right away. And these mm-hmm. guys weren't. And that's what it was. But like Michigan State's an older team, and mm-hmm. they struggled like crazy. And yep. so it's not just age. You know, they didn't they, they weren't solid at the point guard position. And, um, you know, they've had some trouble throughout the season uh, scoring efficiently, mm-hmm. which surprises me, you know, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, and we, you've had other teams, North Carolina struggle a little bit. You've had a, you've had a number of teams that have had that for different reasons. It's just odd that it all happened the same year. Like we've, I, I can't remember a time where, you know, we've talked about, you know, our, like the the blue blood programs you're talking about turned into Cinderellas, you know, trying to make the tournament, you know, bubble teams. When was the last time all of them were were struggling, you know, scratching, clawing to make the tournament? It's really unusual. <laughs> no, it definitely is. Uh, if it's okay, I want to hold you just for about five more minutes, if that's all right. I want to move over, since I'm here in the metro Atlanta area, over to a team like Georgia Tech, who's now moving on to the conference tournament championship game. We'll play the winner of Florida State and um, play the winner of Florida State and North Carolina. What would you say in, let's just say, best case scenario, best draw that they could possibly get in the tournament? What is their ceiling in the NCAA tournament? How many games could a team like this win? Depends on the seed. So, and by that, I mean, I think Georgia Tech right now with the season they've had, it's been a really good season for the the Jackets. They could wind up being like an eight seed, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a nine. Now there's good news and bad news there. The good news is, hey, you know, they've risen up from double digit seed territory Mm -hmm. to that. The bad news is you get a one seed. Yeah, your your second game, you get a one seed, and so you know, can can they beat anybody? You know, in that scenario, yeah, they can, but but um, you know, I'd rather avoid a one for longer. I think there are other teams. You know, you you you'd feel better about playing in a second round game. Uh, but Georgia Tech's had a really good year. Um, yes. You know, to have the ACC Defensive Player of the Year and the ACC Player of the Year, that's uh, it, it's pretty remarkable. When it comes to Gonzaga, I feel like, and granted, it's it's certainly warranted for sure for the kind of season that they've had. All the positivity, all the optimism that there's been in terms of talks about Gonzaga this year. But I don't hear enough about reasons of concern. What type of teams or style of play, if you will, could give someone like Gonzaga some trouble? What are some of their, I guess, weaknesses, for lack of better words? Well, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. Um, they can be beaten just like, you know, Baylor, or, uh, Michigan, all that stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows? Maybe if they played in the Big Ten, they'd have a loss or two. But, 
you know, they played Iowa and beat the hell out of them. They played Kansas and beat the hell out of them. You know, they've only had one game this year where they won uh, under uh, in single digits. You know, every other game they won by double digits. Mm-hmm. And and that just doesn't happen. And, and you look in any league, you know, nobody's doing that. They're the only team doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're legit. I mean, they got a lottery pick. They, they got two lottery picks, uh, Kispert and Suggs. And they're, I mean, they've got the top four or five players in their league on, on their team, in their league, in their on league. their team. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they can, they can beat anybody. And, and so look, do I think Michigan can beat them? Yes. Or Illinois, but it's going to take an extraordinary effort. And I think I'd favor Gonzaga in a seven game series against anybody in the field, except maybe Baylor. Except maybe Baylor. Gotcha. Who are you maybe the most confident that you believe will receive a, a, a number, the final number one seed? Uh, because right now it's Illinois. Uh, Illinois, obviously, there's probably not much of a lock to that. I'm not sure if you agree with that. Who do you feel the most confident in? Illinois. Um, Illinois. I think the Big Ten's garnered so much respect uh, mm-hmm. that that it'll be Illinois absent, you know, some horrifying loss they suffer in the in the Big Ten tournament. The team that could get in there is Alabama. I think if yep. Alabama were to win the SEC, uh, and and you have a couple of stumbles in the in the Big Ten, but um, but that's it. I don't I don't see anybody else getting in there. But I guess it's possible. But I think I think Illinois will be the, the team that gets it. I want to make sure I word this correctly. My last question: um, a, a coach like John Calipari has reached four Final Fours in in, in five seasons at one point. That is also an institution that only hangs national championship banners. Uh, how how long is that leash? I mean, how tolerable, realistically sustainable is that when it seems like winning recruiting battles, uh, but you're not really the ones that are always standing on the ladders with the scissors in hand? How long is that sustainable, something like that? I mean, if, if, Cal, if Cal wins like he has the last 11 years, it's sustainable for as long as he wants to do it. You know, they had a rough year this year, mm-hmm. but one data point does not make a trend. And that's sure. sort of the thing with, with Duke as well. You could look at this one year and say, oh, well, that, you know, it, it, the, 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 the facile thing to do is for someone to say, well, this shows you that one and done doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, what about all the, you know, in the last 10 years since Calipari's been at, uh, since 2010, since Calipari's been at Kentucky, who are the two programs that have won the most NCAA tournament games? Duke that and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Duke and Kentucky, the ones who have the most one-and-done players, who's gone to the most Final Fours, who's gone to the most Elite Eights. Um, they, they're they're right there with the teams that have won the most championships. So it's not like, you know, everybody else is doing it without one-and-dones. So there's a lot of data to suggest that you have mixed results with that. You know, the ones that are doing it with one and done's about extraordinary success. And you 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 have a hard time counting up programs that can match it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really only a few. So, you know, the idea that, it, you know, it is a difficult thing to win NCAA championships and reach Final Fours. Absolutely. And, you know, you don't see a whole bunch of other programs doing it. And uh, so my thing is, is, look, people don't have to like players that come in and leave right away. They don't have to like it. That's fine. Sure. I don't, that's a matter of taste. Yep. But saying that you can't win that way is is patently false. 
Man, I appreciate you for doing this. T-minus 48 hours until Selection Sunday. I, I know you're a really busy man, and I want to make sure that I mention how grateful and uh, very appreciative that I am for you joining the show on today. It's a very busy time for you. We understand that over here, and I just want to say thank you for taking out that time. Well, you're very kind. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you very much. That is Jay Billis joining us on today. Really appreciate him for taking time out of his busy schedule uh, to join us here on the program. Again, I tell you guys all the time, you never know who you're going to get on the show. 48 hours ago, we got uh, Dan Dockich on. That's still posted. Make sure that you go and find that anywhere you find your favorite podcast. For the audio version, we stream live on YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff, Twitch, uh, Periscope, all over the place as well. So go back and check that out. And um, so that's what we're doing. Listen, where else are you going to get this information? Smack right in the middle of March Madness with a bunch of craziness going on over all over the place in the country, really. Uh, but um uh, certainly within Greensboro, North Carolina, where players and so forth, or just people within programs, rather, are testing positive. We're bringing the people on that are right there inside of these bubbles, and uh, you're not going to get that anywhere else. So make sure that you do your part and subscribe to the podcast. I always say tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama, where they can find what I like to call the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. That's none other than Tate's Take. Follow along on all social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, hashtag, we like to call it, where basketball lives. So uh, definitely want to make sure I threw that out there. And again, thanks to Jay Billis. Uh, college basket NCAA college basketball uh, color analyst as well as um, or I'm sorry color commentary com color commentator and uh, college basketball analyst as well for dropping by and spit, throwing some knowledge down on us about Duke and want to make sure that I ask the questions uh, that I know quite a few people wanted to know as it relates to Duke and Gonzaga and some of the other uh, teams that can contend for a title and so forth. So I feel like we got our money's worth a little bit. Hey, look at this. Remember, survive in advance. That's what it's all about right now. It's all about surviving. It's all about advance. And that's this time of the year right now. So um, make sure that you guys go and uh, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, I'm almost willing to put a couple dollars in your pocket if you hit that subscribe button and it takes you longer than 30 seconds. Share with a friend. Don't save it for the local barbershop. Don't save it for the local sports bar. <clears throat> Excuse me, you can get it all right here on Tate's Take. Again, where basketball lives, so go and give us a follow. A couple comments here uh, from quite a few people that wanted to uh, chime in uh, and uh, talk a little bit. Uh, from Todd Court, Todd Quarter has always been a huge part of the show, and I want to make sure I get through this because I always promise people that you can definitely allow your voice to be heard or at least allow your text to be read. Following us on Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, Todd Quarter, who's a, uh, a very consistent and persistent supporter of the program. Great question about Kentucky. Uh, well, thank you much, uh, Todd. And then it's all about the recruiting as well, consistent, consistently, whether it's about the one and done or not big win for georgetown last night over villanova let's get a couple other people in here big baby jonathan Safo, i believe it's pronounced Safo. also checking us out on facebook keep doing the good work appreciate you my brother jonathan very much uh and from uh tony tony black butt that's what i'm gonna call him today check out on facebook salute 
Salute, my brother. Really appreciate your uh, contribution to the show. And um, you can be just like all those guys and, and contribute to the show as well. So appreciate you guys for sharing. Appreciate you for supporting and watching and listening uh, the podcast. And uh, I'll see you guys. What is it? We're going to be working with Selection Sunday. So I don't know. We might do something in 24 hours from now. Certainly, certainly in the next 48 hours, we'll be coming back on and talking a little bit about uh, Selection Sunday. And uh, this is the best Best time of the year, the best and the most unpredictable three weeks in college. And uh, appreciate everybody for checking me out. So I'll see you guys then.